Hey, Celebration Church. I am glad to see everybody. Uh, I'm currently staring into a camera, and you are watching on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere. And uh, I am so glad you've decided to join us today uh, for Sunday morning worship, December the 6th. I'm recording this a little bit earlier, um, and I'm doing it in quarantine. Everybody in the family is doing great. Uh, there's actually no symptoms, so... Um, we appreciate all the love and all the support and all the prayers, but we are playing it safe and we will not be in service uh, this Sunday, obviously, or next Sunday. Uh, we're just going to let it ride out the full two weeks and we'll be back in service the Sunday after that, whatever the math is. Uh, I believe it is the 20th. So um, stay tuned for announcements. Uh, be checking your email and Facebook as well uh, for different events, including our Christmas play that's going to be coming up, and I, uh, um, I'm going to ask that we somewhere in this video put up all the information for the announcements. So let's go before the Lord in prayer, and uh, and let's dive in to the Word of God today and see uh, see what Advent has in store for us this morning. Father, we come before you in the precious name of Jesus, and we thank you for this day. God, I, I thank you for everybody watching. Lord, as I record this uh, on Friday, uh, and as those that are watching it now are watching on Sunday morning, God, I don't know what's going on in their lives, um, but you do. And Lord, I pray that you would do your work in the people watching this. God, that the hearts would be encouraged and strengthened. Uh, Lord, some of us are just sprinting, as it were, to December 31st, desperate to get over this year. But Lord, days on a calendar are meaningless. Our times are in your hands, and we trust in you. And we are praying that uh, that we learn lessons uh, through this 2020 period and the difficulty um, that it's presented. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of growth and the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to let our light so shine before men. And God, I pray that we would do that and be rescued from darkness, despair. God, that in the light of this season, which is meant to be the light of the life of men, which is the life of Christ, Lord, I pray that that light would shine in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and in our families. But God, that it would overflow and shine out like a city on a hill, like a candle in the middle of the room and tend to light it up, that we would be who you've asked and called us to be, which are children of the light, walking in the light, even as you are in the light. Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you praise and glory for your help and your grace to do that. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are in uh, week two of Advent. Uh, I'd like to strongly encourage everybody uh, to make Advent um, something you do as a family. Uh, Advent meaning coming and looking forward to and historically through uh, church history. Advent is on the liturgical calendar and it's a specific on purpose looking forward uh, to Christ return uh, in the future at some future date. We don't know how that's going to happen. We know that it is. Uh, but also looking back at Christ's first return uh, at Christmas, the birth, the incarnation of Christ. Very important both doctrinally, but also important practically in how we live and how our hearts overflow in hope. Um, I have that behind me. I, it's one of my favorite biblical concepts is the idea of hope 
that is this yearning and looking forward to something we know is coming, but do not yet have actual possession of it. Biblical hope is always a knowing. It's a faith-filled expectancy uh, to anticipate with pleasure is literally what it means in Greek, to hope and look forward to. And that's what we're doing at Christmas. We are looking forward um, to a special day with family, but we're looking forward spiritually uh, in the story of Jesus' coming the first time we are looking forward to his second coming. And last week we talked about that uh, out of First Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me, not to First Thessalonians 4, but to First Thessalonians 5. And we want to look at the next part. We alluded to it last week a little bit, but we want to look uh, at the next part of First Thessalonians where Paul's been discussing uh, people who were concerned about um, the dead in Christ, what's going to happen to them, just listening to bad teaching and false rumors and the kind of stuff that's been going on since the beginning of the church, heresies and people that cause you to worry over how's this really going to work. This happens all the time when it when it comes to the second coming of Christ. So Paul is addressing that issue in Thessalonians, and he also addresses a separate but similar issue in 2 Thessalonians. So the folks at Thessalonica had all kinds of issues over Jesus coming, and Paul is re-centering and re-anchoring their hearts in biblical hope, uh, the looking forward to his return as a source of encouragement and as a source of faith, uh, and he's encouraging them, hey guys, the dead in Christ, they're going to be raised uh, and they're going to meet and be with Christ in the air, and then we will be, so will we be with him forever. And that is what we talked about last week. Um, in our Advent number two, we want to go back into that and look uh, look forward in the second coming of Christ. And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to get into the first coming, the, the more traditional, if you will, um, Christmas discussion. Um, but today, let's look First Corinthians chapter—not uh, First Corinthians, First Thessalonians chapter five. We're going to read uh, the first eleven verses. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. They will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So last week, uh, Paul finished with the same kind of words in verse 18 of chapter 4. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And here at the end of this discussion, as he finishes up his uh, 
his section on the return of Christ, he says it again, encourage one another, build one another up just as you are doing. So church, everybody listening, the point of the second coming in the church and the discussion of the second coming is not trying to figure out who the mark of the beast or who the Antichrist is and how the mark of the beast is going to be manufactured or distributed. The the purpose of discussing the second coming of Christ is not taking the prophecies of Daniel and the prophecies of Ezekiel and different mathematical formulas and theories and coming up with a date. All of that is clearly hogwash. It's garbage. It's silliness. And it is an utter waste of time. Also, if you are spending a lot of time uh, in worry and in fear because of the election, because of uh, something going on uh, in some prophecy network that's describing events that are coming and all of these type of uh, things, any type of fear-inducing uh, discussion around eschatology, around the return of Christ, is not a biblical discussion of eschatology. And it doesn't matter if you're post-millennial or premillennial or amillennial or classical premillennial or premillennial dispensational. It doesn't matter what you are. If your eschatology is not one of hope that's looking forward to the return of Christ with eagerness, then something is wrong. If you are, if all you can think about is the mark of the beast and the, and the false prophet and, and all, if that's all you can think about, then I would encourage you to set that stuff aside for a while and just simply look at the simplicity here in Thessalonians, which is encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. Look at the simplicity of the direction, which is encouragement, hope, future. It's good. Jesus coming is good news. It is not terrifying, scary, mark of the beast news. Um, and we're not saying that there's no such thing as the mark of the beast or the antichrist. What, what I'm saying is, is that uh, the focus is misplaced. So the point here, like we discussed last week, is one of encouragement. And I want us to go through this and look um, as we look at the second coming of Christ and the encouragement that's in uh, in the uh, concept of his second coming and the reality of his second coming, I want us to look at how Paul addresses this uh, to the church as he wraps up the letters or the letter to Thessalo- the Thessalonians. He says in the, uh, verse one, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need. You have you have no need to have anyone anything written to you because you're fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So he's talking to them like people that already know this to be true. Uh, they already know and have already been taught about times and seasons. Like when Jesus in Matthew 24 made reference to the fig tree and knowing what the season is, Paul is saying you can look at the times and the seasons and know what time it is, and you guys already know what time it is. Um, this was written 2,000 years ago. The uh, the expectation of the church over 2,000 years has been any day now. Any day now, Christ is coming back. This isn't something that I believe is problematic uh, for us. Now, if you're post-millennial, it's definitely not problematic or all-millennial, but it's not it's not problematic uh, regardless of what how you think Jesus is coming back or when you think that's going to be or the, the way it's going to happen. What we What we know for a fact is throughout church history, 
there's been ebbs and flows uh, in terms of persecution. There's been ebbs and flows in terms of uh, the flourishing that the church has experienced, the blessing that the church has experienced. There's been high points. There have been low points. What I, what I take out of this, what I believe we should take out of this in the times and the seasons, specifically in his allusion to Matthew 24 and the fig tree, I think that what we should be taking out of this is, is that we need to be aware of the day that we live in, that it could be the last. At the very least, um, it could be your last because you could die of cancer next year. It could be your last because you could pass away in a car wreck uh, tomorrow. Today, we're not promised tomorrow. Um, now, that's not specifically what he's saying here, but just as a general idea, we live a life that is a vapor. Uh, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow, and we're not promised tomorrow. So we are to be living in the present tense with a future tense hope in the return of Christ, but a present tense knowing the times and the seasons that we live in. And and I think it's safe to say um, that you could look around and say, wow, has it ever been this bad? Well, there's some arguments to be made that it has, in fact, been this bad and worse. But I'm not going to get into all that. He is telling them, though, you guys already know uh, this. You are, you've already, this is uh, primary school stuff. You already know. Nobody has to tell you that the day of the Lord, his return is going to be like a thief in the night. And it's not just going to be like a thief in the night. While people are actively saying, there's peace and security. That's what verse 3 says. Then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains. What's What's the image here that he's trying to get across? We know as Christians that the the coming of Christ is going to be like a thief in the night, unexpected. And it's kind of a weird... Uh, it's a weird metaphor. Uh, it's a weird uh, illustration to compare the coming of Christ to a thief in the night. And, and the reason that he's doing that, I believe, and this isn't the only place in Scripture where the day of the Lord's compared to something uh, almost that has a negative connotation. Um, I believe that is because if you are not a Christian, and you do not belong to Jesus, this day will be to you like a thief that comes in the night. It will be sudden destruction like labor pains that a woman is not expecting. She knows the times and seasons because she's pregnant, but she doesn't know when it's coming, and it's just sudden and it hits her. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, his coming will be like a thief in the night, unexpected and terrifying. And the reason I, I, I recognize, and we should recognize that's what he's saying, um, is what he says in verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day, the day of Christ, his return, to surprise you like a thief. So the coming of Christ is not going to be like a thief in the night for us who believe it's going to be a day of rejoicing. It's going to be a day of hope fulfilled. It's going to be a day of joy. It's going to be a day of glory. But for the non-Christian, it is a day of judgment. And all will be revealed. And everything that's been in darkness is going to be brought out into the light. It's going to be 
scary. And, and, and Paul is telling them this day is coming suddenly. It hasn't already happened yet. It's, it's coming in its future tense. Uh, but for us, for, for today, for us as we're coming up to Christmas, um, and we're, we are specifically looking at the birth of Christ and his incarnation and his first coming, it's important for us to, to look and say the purpose of his first coming is to show the way to the second coming, the ultimate coming, the reason, the consummation of history in the second coming, the end of all things. And, and Paul is describing that for us here. Very practically though, look at verse, look at verse five. For you are all children of light children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And the uh, there's a couple different ways that Paul's using the word sleep in, in these passages. Last week we discussed those who have fallen asleep was a reference to those who are dead. But now Paul is using the word sleep kind of like uh, your teacher would have said to you um, when you're not paying attention and you're staring off uh, into the distance and daydreaming, daydreaming about recess or lunch or basketball practice or whatever you were daydreaming about, whatever, not school. And you were staring off and the teacher would say, Steve, wake up. Well, I wasn't literally asleep, though sometimes that may have happened. Uh, if I'm staring off in the space and a teacher tells me, Steve, wake up. We had a, we had a teacher that, uh, deserved many awards and actually got them. Uh, he used to have this little cannon, uh, that had a, uh, like a cap gun. If you remember, you know, those red strips that have the uh, little black, uh, gunpowder that you put in and with the old cap guns that would, they, that were really loud. Well, he had a cannon that would do that and he would continue teaching and then place it on the desk of a student that was asleep and he would bang. Uh, it was really fun to see, uh, when that would happen. We understand that language that when we're not paying attention or when we are distracted by something else, we're not focused. We're not sober, so to speak. And that is what Paul is telling the Thessalonians, he's saying the people who sleep are sleep at night. The people who are drunk are drunk at night. We are children of the day. We should be awake and we should be sober. We should be paying attention and we should be intentional in the way that we live. And so soberness uh, in scripture, uh, when you look at it, really means to be seriously aware that the world I'm living in is not my home. This is temporary. This is not my permanent home. Christian sobriety is living in light of the reality that I am headed to heaven. Therefore, I must live as a child of God in this dark world as a children of light, as an ambassador from heaven. This is not my home. Uh, this is not my home. It's temporary. And when Christians live like that, the Bible is telling us that that is sober Christian living, not drunk on the things of this world. Ask yourself, how easy is it to get drunk on the things of this world? 
We get busy at work and 401ks. We get busy with news cycles. We get busy with sports. We get busy with leisure. We get busy with even our families, which are all good. And all of these things are good. Work is good. Family is good. Hobbies to the glory of God. All of this is good. God's given us all things richly to enjoy. However, when those things become our focus, when those things become what we look forward to and live for, we are now getting drunk on the world and distracted from sober living, which is, I belong to Christ. I have a mission as an ambassador to live my life for him. So in these things, in my 401k, in my job, in my family, in my hobbies, and everything that I do, I am doing it to the glory of God with him in mind always. That is Christian sober living. And Paul is admonishing the Thessalonians, you you are not of the darkness, you're not of the night, you are of the day, you are to be sober. And he says, since we belong to the day, in verse 8, let us be sober. And then he says some things that describe what sobriety looks like for a Christian. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So, this is similar language that he used uh, to the church at Ephesus when he goes through the armor of God. It's The armor is a little different here than it is there, but he's trying to get across the imagery of the way that we live, lifestyle armor, uh, that this is what God has given us um, in our walk with him and how we walk through as temporary citizens of a dark and sinful world as ambassadors with a citizenship in heaven that are here on temporary leave explaining and proclaiming Christ to the world. This is how we are to live with a breastplate of faith and love and with a helmet on of the hope of salvation. You and I are supposed to be walking around, and if you catch that, with faith, love, and hope. It's out of order from 1 Corinthians 13. Now, by these three... uh Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Uh, those three words show up a lot. In fact, we need to do a sermon on the, that. Uh, those three showing up in Scripture all over the place, and this is one of them. That the actual lifestyle of a Christian, as we are looking forward to Christ coming, as we are living sober, the sobriety looks like faith, hope, and love. That's what it looks like. It's a Christian that has faith. In Christ, and that faith is active, it's engaged every day in ongoing, uh, thankfulness for the grace of God and that, that I have faith in Him and that I'm going to live for Him today. Give me today, Lord, my daily bread. That is a expression of faith in the Lord's Prayer that we every day, I am sober as I approach my life that way in faith, in love, as I am loving my neighbor as myself, and I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul, with all my might, I'm I'm loving horizontally, and I'm loving vertically. And I can only love horizontally because he, he initiated that love with me. We love him because he first loved us. And because he first loved us, and I've responded now and love him in faith, now I horizontally love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And this 
is sometimes something I need help with. Uh, I need to go to him and say, Lord, I'm struggling in my love for my brothers and sisters. But you said, how can you say that you love God whom you cannot see, but uh, hold, withhold this uh, world's goods from your brother whom you can see? How can you hate your brother and you see him uh, and claim to love God? That doesn't work. Uh, children, you, if you're born of God, you are going to love because God is love. He that doesn't love is not born of God. So this this sobriety of love uh, is... I know that I belong to God because I love the brethren. And so I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I show love to the world in the same way that he did. So I have this vertical love coming down from him, and it is splashing out horizontally to the world around me. And a lot of times I have to say, Lord, I need help uh, loving. And, and he will help when we go to him and ask him for help. Uh, with something like love that sometimes is difficult. But this is what Christian sobriety looks like. Faithful, living for him in faith, loving him first and foremost, and loving those around us. Uh, and then finally, he says, having uh, putting on a helmet, the hope of salvation. And that hope um, is all tied up in... Uh, the future tense reality that our heart knows. Romans chapter 8 says the, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God and he is crying out, Abba, Daddy, Father. This is a ongoing wellspring of hope that every Christian has knowing this moment is temporary. And Christian, I'm, I'm telling you, if you can look at your life as temporary. This is not your home. We aren't meant to stay here forever. We are meant to be with Christ forever. And when he establishes a new heaven and a new earth, we're going to reign with him forever. And, and thinking that way, I can look at the temporary nature of suffering, the temporary nature of issues and problems that I'm having or you're having, I can look at the temporary nature of disappointments and setbacks and say, wait a second, this is not my permanent address. This is what I'm dealing with now. And like Paul, I can say, I consider the temporary sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed. That is the future tense longing of the Christian uh, the longing for Christ and the consummation of our relationship with him where it's totally complete and there is no distance physically. We are with him forever. That is what Paul's driving at in Thessalonians. He's telling us that as sober, daylight living Christians in a dark and drunk world, that we are going to be uh, characterized by faith and love and hope. It's going to exude out of us. Not perfectly, for crying out loud, none of you watching this are perfect and exude perfectly these fragrances of Christ. But this is why the scripture is here for us to look. This is why at Advent we are intentionally pumping the brakes, stopping and looking at what scripture is instructing us to do, to look forward to what we have in Christ and knowing what we have in Christ now. It is a 
present tense reality, looking forward to a future tense reality. The present tense is he's with us now. The future tense, it's only getting better. So that is where the Christian sobriety and Christian sober living is. And that's why uh, living this way is such a deterrent for sins and addictions and temptations because I'm focused on Christ and seeking Christ and loving Christ and doing what he wants me to do, it makes it harder, not impossible, it makes it harder to live lifestyles of sin. In fact, that is really what scripture is teaching is that Christians do commit sins uh, and they fall short every day, but as they grow closer to Christ, they they are in a position of always growing away from that sinful lifestyle into a lifestyle of Christian sober living. Never perfection, but always growing closer in sanctification and in our relationship with the Lord. For God's not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, now he's tying it all back to this whole discussion of whether you're alive or dead, we might live with him. It's going to be forever, church. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Here's my challenge uh, for the the second Sunday in Advent. This week, give somebody a call, uh, a brother or sister in Christ, someone in If you're a Celebration Church member, call somebody from the church or call somebody in your family or call somebody maybe you haven't talked to in a while and just say, I've got a homework assignment from my pastor and I'm calling to just tell you, you know what? This is all temporary. Jesus is coming back to get us. So I just wanted to encourage you, whatever you're facing today, do it knowing that Jesus is with you now and he's coming back in the future to get us and we've got a whole world to share the love and the light of Christ to. Let's let's do it. Let's get let's get after it. Let's show the world faith, hope and love that came not from us but from Jesus and that we're out here encouraging one another in the middle of the darkness in the middle of the storm. That is what Christmas and this season of Advent is about future tense realities uh, with present tense hope, faith, and love. Let's go ahead and pray and be dismissed. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we thank you for this day and for this message and for this encouragement from your word that you are not leaving us alone. You are coming back to us. And while we are here, we are children of the day, children of sobriety, children with armor from you of faith and love and a helmet of hope, which is our salvation in Jesus Christ. God, I pray we would live in the light of the knowledge of that as we await your second coming. God, we are so hopeful, anxious in a good way, eagerly anticipating your return. And God, we pray, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But Lord, before you come, God, use us to be instruments to see a harvest of souls come into the kingdom. God, use us as laborers to go into the field that are white and ready for harvest. God, I pray that we would be able to be effective witnesses and ambassadors for your kingdom 
as we exude and diffuse the fragrance of your knowledge in every place. Lord, we thank you for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.